You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Exodus chapter 17. If you need my notes, it's not the most notes I've ever had. You're in luck. I usually say that every week. People laugh about it. Exodus chapter 17, beginning in verse 8. It says, after this, the Amalekites came and attacked Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, choose some men, go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had instructed and fought against the Amalekites. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up on the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered them, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hands grew heavy, they took a stone and put it underneath him. He sat on it. Then Aaron Hur held his hands up, each one on each side. Look at this. So that his hands remained steady until the sun went down. Verse 13. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his army with the sword. I came to tell you this morning, when you hold up the shield of faith, you are wearing dunamis. The title of this message is wearing dunamis, the shield of faith. Let's pray. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. We acknowledge you. We declare we don't make room for you. We give you the whole room. Holy Spirit, I tangibly felt your presence in worship, and I pray we would tangibly feel your spirit while we preach the word. Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe upon your logos. I pray it becomes rhema. I pray right now that you would give us ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand what your spirit is saying. Father, I thank you that your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We declare your word is true and that every man's a liar. Father, I pray right now, I thank you, nobody came to hear me. We say no one, Holy Spirit, I pray no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is in this place. I pray any witchcraft, distraction, spirit of offense, any world we pray go. I pray right now a love of the world goes. I pray right now we would love you more than anything else. And again, Lord, I declare no one came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And all God's people said, amen and amen. We're stewarding a prophetic word on dunamis. It's a year that God is going to strengthen and fortify our faith. We've been tackling issues that are uh, foundational to our faith all year long. And now we're in a season on the full armor of God. We're in a season of the full armor of God because we are wearing dunamis. Scripture gives us the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the boots of peace. We have a a shield of faith that we'll address today, a sword of the spirit. And this is how we're supposed to fight our spiritual battles. And when the Lord told me to preach on this, I noticed, go to the next slide of the topics, is that all of the titles or topics of the armor represent foundations to our faith. So for the remainder of the year, we are strengthening the foundation of our faith through the full armor of God. And what we've learned is that when we are wearing the full armor of God, we are wearing the characteristics of Jesus or we are wearing dunamis. So this morning we are discussing the shield of faith. Someone say faith. Ephesians 6, 16 says in all circumstances or above all, take up the shield of faith 
which will extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Someone say faith. This is very important because there was a prophetic word at the beginning of the year that no one would lose their faith. In fact, the song fortify my faith came from this prophetic word as we've been stewarding this word over the year of dunamis. I believe right now that this word on faith is one of the most important paramount messages of the year for you to steward well. Here's why. There is no part of your life that faith does not affect. There's no part of your walk with the Lord that your faith does not affect. Why did the world world crash and bow to a spirit of fear in 2020 through 2022? Because they were not full of faith. So fear came, faith wasn't there, so fear grabbed a hold. Faith is paramount for your ability to walk with the Lord. Faith is a concept that has confounded the wise for millennium. It has baffled the most educated, eluded the most powerful, yet understood by a child, and is simply profound. It's freely given, but sometimes costs us everything. Let's define faith. Faith is a reliance upon God, a belief, a conviction, a dependence, faithfulness, or trust. Faith is a central emphasis in Christianity. In the Hebrew, the word faith is the word im. Onah. Imonah means to believe, which is wild because Christians are commonly known as believers. Where do we get that from? Well, I already told you this morning in my intro about the story of Abraham. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, it says, And Abraham believed the Lord, and it counted to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. The moment Abraham believed God, He partnered with faith. In fact, scripture refers to him as a father in the faith because he was one of the first ones to believe God. When you are walking in faith, it means that you are believing God. So the reason why they call us believers is because this is the faith that we believe. Well, what do we believe? We believe the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins. That we could not live up to God's standards. All has fallen short of the glory of God. And we cannot be reconciled to God because of our good works or our behavior. So it took a savior. It took God to lay down his divinity, put on humanity, come down on earth to die for you and I so that we could be reconciled to the father. That is the good news of our faith. We didn't deserve it. We don't earn it. It is just mercy. That is the good news of our faith. Someone say faith. In the Greek, we have the word for faith is the word pistis. Pistis is an assurance, a belief, a faith, or fidelity. In the Greek root system of etymology, from pistis, we get a word piatho. Piatho is to be persuaded or divine persuasion. In the Greek, when you talk about faith, it is this complete persuasion that now you fully believe with sincerity in a full heart what you know. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Romans 
4.22, where he says, I am fully convinced or persuaded that God was able to do what he promised. Faith is a full divine persuasion. Just a little teaching moment right now that revelation comes to people who are fully persuaded. You hear someone preach or teach or minister and you're like, where do they get that? How do they get those downloads? How do they get those revelations? It's because they're fully persuaded by their faith. And when you are fully persuaded in your faith, you will get similar revelations. There's three dimensions of faith. There's a graph that's gonna go on the screen. We have faith that is past, present, and future. Our past faith is a saving faith. Some refer to it as a covenantial faith. Then we have our present faith. This is the living, active faith that we have. Some refer to it as the epistemological faith. So this is the faith that we live in day to day. Faith for life, faith for healing, faith in our current living environment. And then finally, we have a future faith, or this is the faith for afterlife. Some refer to this as the eschatological faith. This is faith that goes to our future. Now, this is wild because the Bible says that God is omnipresent. What does that mean? It means that he's all places, all times. He's outside of time. Revelation says he is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning from the end. He's outside time. And it's hard for us to understand that sometimes because we're in time. And so to understand God's infinity is mind-boggling. But faith is outside of time. It is past. It's what Jesus did, the promises to Abraham. It's our faith in the cross in the past. It's our current faith for every day and our faith for tomorrow that in eternity we will be with Jesus. This is really important. Someone say faith. Because when we were going through COVID, I was shocked at how many people were willing to give up all of their civil liberties, all of their sanity, all of their common sense, and all their spirituality over the threat of maybe dying. And the world acted like the worst thing that can happen to you is you die. I don't want this to come across harsh. I want you to hear a loving father. But if you are currently still afraid of dying, your faith needs strengthened. Because according to our scriptures, when you're absent from the body, you're what? So you mean to tell me the thing that you're afraid of is being present with the Lord? You mean to tell me that you're afraid of being with God in paradise for all eternity? That's what you fear? Does that make sense to you? Of course it doesn't make sense to you. Because when fear comes in, it doesn't make sense. Because it is a spirit that tries to steal or attack your faith. I'm a simple guy. I like things simple. I'm talking about past, present, and future. And, and I, I understand that this can get complicated. I'm talking about the Greek and pistis and piote and all these different words. And you're like, make it clear for me, pastor. And I'm going to make it clear. Listen, when you're trying to understand faith, you need two things. Someone say two. Come on, tell your neighbor who's a little slow. Say just two. Okay. It is simply this. You ready for this? Belief in Jesus and trusting him. Before you clap, because everyone else is offended, I tell you, your neighbor told you you were slow. <laughs> Listen, you don't need to go to Bible college and learn theological and physiological and, and, and philosophical stances on faith. Hear this today. It is belief in Jesus that he is God, and then you trust him. That is the epitome of faith. Someone say belief. Someone shout trust. That's it. 
And if you believe in Jesus and you trust in him, watch, your faith will not fail. You look at all of the scriptures in the Bible where people's faith was challenged, attacked, weary, shaken. It was their faith in Jesus or their trust in him. Disciples are on a boat freaking out, but they're with Jesus. They think they're going to die. Reminds me of you during COVID. Lord, do you not care what's going on? Watch, believe in him, watch, and then trust him. Church, do you trust him? I'm asking you, Mercy Culture Church, do you trust him? Because if you put your faith in him and you trust him, your faith will be firm. I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Put it on the screen. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Pastor Tom Lane, when he came during presbytery and prophesied, he declared Psalms 27 over our church. Some trust in, uh, in chariots, some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God church belief in Jesus and trust in Kim is what solidifies our faith let me tell you more about faith there's over a thousand scriptures on faith Hebrews 11 might be the most famous scripture on faith Hebrews 11 one says now faith is the assurance of what is hoped for and the certainty of what we do not see turn to your other neighbor and say what did that say let me give you another translation that's, that's easier to understand. Now, faith is the assurance, title deed confirmation of things that we hope for, divinely guaranteed, the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of the reality of faith that comprehends as facts what we cannot be experienced by the physical sense. What? I read every translation on Hebrew 11. One, and they're all confusing. And this is supposed to be the big, baddest, most, uh, uh, most descriptive scripture on faith. What is Hebrews 11 telling us? It's simply saying this. Faith is the foundation that unveils the spiritual realm. Faith is what opens up the spiritual realm. Second Corinthians 5, 7. It says this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. See, usually it's right here when people say something like, well, you just have blind faith. Yes. <laughs> All faith is blind faith. Not seeing it is what makes it faith. My faith is in God. What's your faith in? Because everybody's got faith in something. Some people's faith is in what? The government? Good luck. Well, if, my, if our candidate gets elected, we're going to turn it around. Trust me, that won't happen. What's your faith in? Your money? When it becomes worth nothing, and according to scripture, they're throwing the gold and silver in the streets in the end days? When you can't buy or sell or trade without the mark of the beast, what then? How good is your 401k then? when the government can turn it off with a switch. Let people that are so like love going online and looking at the retirement, one switch, it's not yours. That's what your faith is in? Surely it's not in the Dallas Cowboys. 
Sorry, bring it back. Just felt, felt attack of the enemy in the room. Look, people are leaving already. She darted out when I said that. So what is your faith in? Is it in science? I believe in science. What part of science do you have the most faith in? That men can get pregnant or after your 16th booster, booster you can never get a cold again? What part of, do you follow the scientific community? The insanity of surgeries to help men breastfeed? What part of science do you really have your faith in? Are you hearing me today? See, they love to look down on you like you're some, some, some ignorant fool because you believe in God. <laughs> so beneath me. It's your little wine parties. Oh, you go to that mercy cult. I'm online too. I see the hashtags. No, they love to talk down like you're a simple-minded fool, except God says he uses the lowly things to profound the wise. All faith is blind because it requires what is not seen. Church, that is what makes it faith. Hmm. We're saved by faith, according to Ephesians 2, 4. I feel like I'm supposed to read this over you today. It says, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, I feel the Holy Spirit as I read this, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses and made us alive together with Christ. By grace, he saved you. He raised you up and sat you in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming of the age, he might show you immeasurable riches of grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. I need more. We are saved by our faith. Not by anything else. Not by your degrees. Not by your online following. You are saved by faith. Someone shout faith. faith. It is a free gift. Romans 10, 9 says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that he raised him from the dead. Look at this. You will be saved. Watch this. Not if you pray a prayer after me. We do altar calls all the time. We'll probably do one today. I'm all for it. That's not what saves you. Keep it up. This is it. When you confess with your mouth People ask me, well, how come you don't have people come up and pray a sinner's prayer? Because there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible. There's not one there. Because you could be sitting in the 12th row in the middle of fortify my faith and say, Jesus, you're real. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I put my faith in you. Watch, or you could come down to this altar and repeat my words that are never yours. And you can live here and keep going, leave here and go keep living your life of sin. And I assure you, you're not saved. Your salvation comes by your faith in Jesus. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you are saved. Someone say faith. According to scripture, we're supposed to live by faith. Galatians 3.11. According to Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. 
Verse 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Let me give you some practical advice. Get around more faith. Listen to more faith. Brace, strengthen, and fortify my faith. Get around faith people. I was in a conversation with somebody this week, and in the middle of the conversation, they started speaking death. I caught them off in mid-conversation, and I said, that's foolish talk. I love you. I want you to feel honor. I want you to feel respected. But I just started declaring life. I started declaring God's word, and I said, I know you're a brother in Christ, and nothing you're saying lines up with our faith. Get around people of faith. Some of you have just adapted bad habits because you're undisciplined. And so you repeat words over your family and your life because you've rehearsed death. You've rehearsed sickness. You've rehearsed doubt. And it's become a bad habit of pattern. Have you ever seen someone that talks negative about themselves? And they always do it. Some people do that with their faith in their life where they speak doubt. I don't know if we're going to make it. Why don't you just say the same thing a different way? We're going to make it. I don't know how. And watch, watch, watch. I don't know how we're going to make it. Or we're going to make it. I don't know how. Watch. One of them is doubt and one of them is faith. But here's what happens is people remove faith from their lives when faith is the center of our lives. Scripture, according to Ephesians 3, 17, Jesus abides in faith. It says Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Anytime you see that word dwell or abide, it's pointing at dunamis. Where there is faith, there is dunamis. Let me address faith and works because this was a, 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 a misunderstanding in the church for a long time. James 2, 26 says this, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, also faith apart from works is dead. What is scripture saying? It's saying this, that we are saved by faith and faith alone, but our works reflect that faith that we know. So I'll say it like this. If there are no works, there's a better word for works would be actions. If there are no actions in your life that reflect your faith, scripture would say you don't have it. Because when you have true faith in Jesus, actions of obedience follow someone that has true faith in Jesus. Let me ask you the self-reflection question. What acts of obedience in your life reflect or prove your faith. Scripture teaches us that we're supposed to have faith like a child. Matthew 18, 3, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I say this, not childish faith, faith like a child. I'm reminded of the story of little Shiloh, four-year-old Shiloh, they got healed on conference. He had a, 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 a disease effect, attack his legs, and he wasn't able to walk for over a week. And on, on Friday night of conference, a group of us, the pastors, we prayed for him, and he took a step or two, but nothing else happened. And then others prayed for him throughout the week, 
And as the story goes, a group of children surrounded him in that hallway over there. And a group of kids got around him and started praying over him. And one lady in our church starts testifying about how God healed her. And all of a sudden, the little boy that could not walk started running, ran from here into there around the stage. He's been running ever since. Andrew and I tried to help him score a touchdown on uh, last week and he ran in the wrong direction. Watch, faith like a child healed him. You know why I love this story? Because it wasn't a pastor that did it. It wasn't a pastor that was praying. Watch, it was a community of believers in childlike faith that healed a little boy. Someone put your hands together and give the Lord a hand. Okay, I want to expose some bad theology in the church about faith. And here's the theology. That bad things happen to people that don't have enough faith. That people die because you didn't have faith. Because you're still sick because you don't have enough faith. Because you're still struggling in poverty because you don't have enough faith. You may be struggling financially because you're a bad steward. It could have nothing to do with faith. It could be a stewardship issue. This is important you understand this. There's been this bad theology that has made its way into the church where people prayed for people, nothing happened, and they felt bad because nothing happened. And so because they felt bad, they try to find someone to blame. Well, it's not the anointing on me. I'm anointed. It's not our church. So it has to be you. You don't have enough faith. And then people are groveling around. I don't know. I, I thought I had faith. How come I don't have faith? Someone say, stop it. That is a bad theology that is not biblically based. In fact, in Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could tell a mountain to be removed. What is Jesus saying? It's not that you don't have enough faith. You just may need to strengthen your faith. This, you need to understand this. If you have faith in Jesus, you have enough faith for anything. I said, if you have faith in Jesus, you have enough faith for anything. Disciples said to Jesus in Luke 17, would you increase our faith? It's a similar prayer to what we've been praying all year long. Lord, would you strengthen and fortify my faith? Someone just pray it right now where you're at. Lord, would you strengthen and fortify my faith? This morning, I want to give you three areas to fortify your faith. Three areas that you can grow in your faith. It'll be really quick. Number one, ask the Holy Spirit for the gift of faith. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, faith is a gift of the Spirit. Our word says that God is a good Father that loves to give gifts. He's generous. Ask Him for the gift. Ask Him for the gift of faith to come on you. Number two, Grow in faith through daily encounters. Church, every time you pray, it activates faith. Every time you're in your word, it builds faith. Every time you're in worship, it creates this environment of faith. Did you feel faith come in the room when Danny and the team were leading and fortify my faith? Did you feel something just shift in the entire room? Watch every time you do it. Guess what? It's on the album. It was a recording of a moment that happened here in July. I'll be in my daily encounter, hit fortify my faith. And when they start, I'm, I'm, ah, ready to run through walls. Watch, I could feel it strengthening me. 
You know who people that struggle the absolute most in their faith and in life are people that don't daily encounter? Do you know when people come for pastoral care and they're struggling with stuff, you know, the first question we ask them, how are your daily encounters? And the people that struggle the most don't do daily encounters. Why do you think you struggle the most? Hear your pastor today. You will struggle in your faith if you get fed from the pulpit once every four weeks. You will be spiritually starving. Do you know the secret of mercy culture is you have thousands of people that are daily encountering and then we come into worship together and it feels like a bomb goes off in the room every single week. It's why we say it's like this every week. Watch, because we don't have starving people. We have people that are full of the presence of God that are just desire more of Kim. Watch, it is iron that sharpens iron, a three-chord strand that's not easily broken. It's where two or more, there I am. It's the power of God that comes down. Watch, with a people that desire more. If you want to strengthen your faith, I'm pleading with you. Daily encounter. Don't miss a day. Make time. You say, I got little kids. Get up before them. It's worth it. I promise you, your marriage, your children, your parenting, your business, your work, your soul, everything will benefit. Your faith will be strengthened. Number three, your giving. Hebrews 11, four, it's that chapter of, of, of faith that's in your notes. It says this, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. Church, if your giving has not grown, most likely your faith hasn't grown. You know, there's a lot of people that don't even tithe. You rob from God, you steal from God. And there's some people that have never grown. You find out about tithing and honoring God with your wealth and you're like, great, I'll do the 10%. That's all I'll do. And you never grow from there. And something that's unique about mercy culture is that we, we take one offering a year at Heart for Mercy. We, we, don't, we don't hound people for money. We don't talk about every week. We don't take up tithes and offerings. We have never manipulated, never pushed. We, we, we don't do that stuff. We want people to grow spiritually and healthy with the Lord. But sometimes in this environment, what happens is if you're not being led or leading yourself, it could be an area that you haven't grown in. So I ask you to look at yourself. Have you grown in your giving? You say, Pastor, why are you bringing it up? Because it's how I've grown in my faith. I remember being a teenager asking God to speak to me and he would tell me to give money away. I'm a teenager giving hundreds, then giving thousands, then Heather and I giving uh, proceeds for houses away. We've been on a journey of giving our entire life. Watch, and it's been this journey of faith that I've watched God do amazing things as I have partnered with him in my faith through giving. If you want your faith to go to another level, I would challenge you. Let your giving go to another level. Amen? Okay, here's the exciting part. There's people in this room that you continually struggle with your faith and you're about to get breakthrough today. There's people that say, Landon, I love Jesus. I, 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 I trust in him. I believe in him. But there is just this thing that I don't have faith for. And everybody's thing is different. Some things might be a relationship. Some thing might be a business thing. Some thing might be a health thing. Some thing might be a miracle thing. Everybody's got something that's different. But you say, I, I, there's this thing that I just don't have faith for. And 
I want to expose a massive, deceptive lie of the enemy. Because if you have faith in Jesus, it's the only thing it takes to have faith. Church, hear me. You don't need faith for some healing when you have faith in Jesus. Watch. You don't need faith for some breakthrough if you have faith in Jesus. Watch. The greatest faith in all of eternity, of all of humanity, is Jesus. I'll say it like this. You believe the Holy Spirit impregnated a teenage girl. She gave birth to the Messiah. He walked the earth for 33 years. He did more miracles than any books could ever write or take note of. Then he dies on a cross for your sins and mine. He overcomes sin in the grave. He resurrects from the dead. He ascends to heaven and one day is coming back for you and me. You believe that, but you don't have faith for a four-year-old to get healed? You don't have a faith for that breakthrough in your life? You don't have faith for cancer when you have faith. Are you seeing this? Church, the only faith you need is faith in Jesus. Watch you say, Pastor, what do I do? So if there's a situation that you need faith for, you just put Jesus in front of it. You say, Jesus, you're aware of this situation in this little boy. Jesus, you're aware of this financial situation. Jesus, you're aware of this relationship. Jesus, you're aware of what they said. Jesus, you're aware of what they're saying about our nation. Jesus, you're aware of what they're saying at my work right now. Jesus, you're aware. You just put Kim in front. Watch. And all of your belief and all of your trust is in Kim. Watch. Nothing else. That is the faith that moves mountains. That is the faith that heals the sick, that opens blind eyes. Watch, it is simply faith in Jesus, or I'll say it like this, faith for the impossible. Uh, we're on this fast right now with men, or this prayer time, and every day we've been walking around the church, and sometime last week, I don't remember what day, we're walking around, and I'm remembering my prayers of five years ago. Five years ago, I went on a 40-day fast and I walked around this building every day for 40 days. And I told the Lord, if you give it to me, I'll give it back to you. It'll never be ours. It'll always be yours. That's where the song, You Can Have It All, came from. <clears throat> and I began to ask the Lord. And I began to say out loud to the Lord, this is impossible. This is impossible. We're a three-month-old three church plant. We don't have the money. We don't have the resources. This is impossible. I would say it over and over, this is impossible. I'd call Heather. I'm like, this is impossible. And then I would tell the Lord, this is impossible without you. And then almost every time I said it's impossible, it was like this faithful provoking for the Lord. It's like, hey, Lord, you know it's impossible, right? You know, we're a three-month-old church plant. We don't have the resources to this. We can't make this happen. There's no way that we can make this in the natural happen. Lord, do you see how impossible it is? Lord, do you see it? Lord, do you see it? But what do you say about it? And I just watched, kept provoking the Lord. I felt the Lord speak to me at prayer last week. Landon, don't stop believing for the impossible. Why? Because he's the God of the impossible. Luke chapter 18 says this, for what is impossible with our God? Church, you need to understand, our faith is faith for the impossible. Uh, watch. And if your faith 
isn't going up against something impossible. Hear me. It's not being used. You mean to tell me we have the faith to believe in Jesus' death and resurrection and eternal salvation, but we don't have the faith to believe for the impossible that Fort Worth could turn back to God, that DFW can turn back to God, that there could be revival in America, that we can see reformation in our day. Hear this today. Our faith is faith for the impossible. Someone say impossible. Hmm. Here's the thing about impossible faith. God says in Hebrews, without faith, it's impossible to please him. See, so many people are too worried about looking foolish when using their faith. When the truth is, is that faith is what pleases the Lord. You're so worried about laying hands on someone and something not happening versus laying hands on somebody and your faith pleasing God. Church, I'm telling you, faith for the impossible is what pleases God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 17. Worship team, you can come and join me. We're talking about the shield of faith. Ephesians tells us to lift the shield of faith above all. Someone say above all. According to scripture, it extinguishes every fiery dart of the enemy. There's two kinds of shields in the script in, in, in ancient fighting. There was a small personal shield that men can run with. And there was a larger shield that was about the size of a door. And Paul is talking about this larger shield. And when he talks about the fiery darts of the enemy, it identifies this larger shield. Because in ancient warfare, the enemies or barbaric tribes would take arrows. They would dip them in blood and poison. And then they would shoot fiery darts of the enemy at people. So if the arrows didn't land, if it just scraped them, it would infect them. And it would damage them or hurt them or kill them later. So what they used to do in ancient warfare with these giant shields, this is wild church, is they would put anointing oil on the shields. So when the fiery arrows came, the anointing oil would quench the fire. Watch this. What is the fiery darts of the enemy? So if faith is belief in Jesus and trusting him, the fiery arrows are unbelief or, did, or distrust or deconstructing. See, you have to understand the greatest fiery darts of the enemy are going to be on your belief in Jesus and your trust in him. Three weeks ago, I was preaching on a Sunday morning back to Baal. I'm running on the trail and I have a vivid daydream. I have a vision. And I see these witches that know what I'm preaching and they're ready for me to come preach it. And then there's these bombs going off all around me. But I was in this hedge of protection and none of the fire could touch me. It was the shield of faith. I preached at the first service back to Baal. And I didn't have my phone on me. And I, I almost asked 
one of our team members to go grab my phone and I had this feeling, don't grab your phone, you don't need it. So I let it go. After the service, I get my phone and somehow someone from the media got my cell number and was sending me harassing, taunting, mocking messages in between services, thinking that my phone was on the pulpit, trying to taunt me while I preach. Some of our serve team members in the chairs that you're sitting in found crumpled up pieces of paper of witches drawn on them in the chairs. Someone just slip your hand down there, right there. After service, I was laughing because I felt nothing. Watch, because I had the shield of faith. The shield of faith is what puts out every attack. The shield of faith is what sustains you. Scripture says, above all, hold it up to every attack that's on your family. Hold up the shield of faith. That's what Moses was doing in Exodus chapter 17. Our story, we have Moses who's on his way to the promised land. God spoke to him in a burning bush called him to lead the children of Israel out of slavery of Egypt. The 10 plagues happened in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea. They're going into the promised land. They're on the way to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord and they get attacked by an enemy. And the battle was a battle of faith. And according to Exodus chapter 17, as long as Moses held up his arms, they won the battle. But when he put his arms down, Scripture says they lost. Here's what Scripture says. Then Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on each side, that his hand remained steady until the sun went down. You know that word steady means in the Hebrew? It's the same Hebrew word I read to you at the beginning of my message. Faith. Ah. When Moses' hands were stretched out, watch. When his faith was firm, they won the battle. When his faith was weakened, he lost the battle. Church, this is what happens to you and I. When we hold up the shield of faith, we win the battle of faith in life. When we hold, let it go down, we begin to lose. This is why we have to wear the armor of Christ. This is why we have to wear Deuteronomy. Because when we have firm faith, when we hold up the shield of faith, watch, there is no battle we cannot win. Moses' arms grew tired. So he had to have his friends lift his arms. Watch. To help his faith not fail. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? My prayer for you today is that your faith would not fail. Church, faith wins all spiritual battles.
this morning, if you would say, Landon, my faith has been attacked. I feel like I'm in a spiritual battle. And like Moses, when his hands went down, I feel like my faith has fallen. Maybe you've said, I've lost the faith for this healing. I've lost the faith for this family member. I've lost the faith for this scenario, this situation. I'm struggling in my faith. I came to tell you today, today, your faith is going to be renewed. Today, your faith is going to be restored. Today, your faith will be strengthened. Today, your faith will be fortified. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com. 